May I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of the great monasteries of Europe is the monastery of Le bec in Normandy. That monastery produced no less than three archbishops of Canterbury. Theodore, who by the way was a Syrian, Lanfranc, and the greatest of all, Anselm, in the 11th century. We celebrate Trinity Sunday today, and it was Anselm, in the 11th century, who introduced this feast into the Christian calendar. There's a chapel in Canterbury Cathedral which commemorates him with a marble altar from Aosta in Italy, where he came from, though he was a monk of Lubeck Elouan in Normandy. This was an example of Anglo-Norman Christianity being ahead of the rest of the church because Rome did not adopt it until three centuries later. But ecumenical deference precludes me, of course, from drawing any parallels for today. So we thank Anselm and the monastery of Lebekelawan for the feast of the holy and undivided trinity, which we celebrate today. Though, of course, this doctrine was agreed in Constantinople in the year 381. Now, when I was first ordained, I used to dread being given the what I call the short straw of preaching on Trinity Sunday. I think then I was still under the influence of John Robinson, who was once asked how he would teach the doctrine of the Trinity to a child, and he wrote this in one of his books. The question was the easiest one I have been asked, he wrote. I would not. But since then, life has moved on. Perceptions have changed radically. And above all, needs have changed even more. Much recent theological writing, especially in the Orthodox world, is now pointing out the centrality of the Holy Trinity to our thinking and self-identity as a church and as human beings. The Trinity has become as fashionable as angels. And visit the internet if you want to see how popular angels now are. So two books have helped me in developing my understanding of the Holy Trinity. And they're both by Robin Greenwood. Transforming Priesthood is the first one. And the second one is Practicing Community. I recommend both. Robin Greenwood will, of course, be with us in June for a weekend in which we review our work and plan ahead under God. Now, this is the last of the three years he has dedicated to us as our external consultant. So I urge you to come. He's very profound, very simple, and very experienced. It's like going to a good doctor who tells you what's good and what's not so good. Now everyone can have their say in our priorities for the future, which will come out of this weekend of reflection and discussion. 
There's a sign-up sheet over there, and it's the 16th of June. But central to his thought, Robin Greenwood, and I would also say this parishes, is the living faith in the Holy Trinity. The readings for today show how central the Holy Trinity is for all that we do. From the prophet Isaiah, which we just heard, Holy, 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 and that first hymn which we just sung, written in Mumbai. This speaks of the human response to God in worship and praise to God the Father. All of creation is involved in this response of worship and praise. This worship and praise from the Christian church involves the whole of life and there is nothing outside its concern. It was a former Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael Ramsey, who was preaching to deacons the night before they were to be ordained priest when he said this, you will remember that nothing that is human and nothing that is created lies outside the compassion of God. This speaks of God the Father caring for everyone. And this is a very 21st century model, especially when we apply it to the environment for which we have responsibility. So it's right to ask, as we do, how much we as individuals and as a church and a society collude with lifestyles which damage our environment? Or how much are we addressing the sickness of the prevailing culture in which we are set with the medicine of the gospel? Robin Greenwood writes this. In a society which thrives on adversarial competition and the assumption that a few winners will mean a majority of losers, the proclamation of the gospel is long overdue. And this is not simply an out-of-date swipe at the now discredited financial system of our own society. It has direct implications for models of society and how the church impinges on them. In London especially, one of the medicines which the gospel offers is community in place of isolation. Recent findings on personal breakdown suggest that those who find themselves in deepest trouble or on the edges or outside of the law will usually have fewer than 10 people with whom they have any sort of relationship. And of course, I'm not talking about people who have 5,000 Facebook so-called friends. I mean real ones. Talking to our community payback members day by day, week by week, bears this out. Community in place of isolation also addresses what remains of the nuclear family. The point is this, our social God the Father never intended the isolated nuclear family to be the bearer of all human needs. It takes a village to raise a child, or an aeroplane. In Armenia last week, the only calming effect on a screaming child was to pass the child around the whole of the small plane in which I was in. It worked.
Now, this is also a major role of the church and always has been. Environment, society, and individuals are all embraced in the loving fatherhood of God the Creator. Now to God the Son. Paul writes to the Romans that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will be with them if their lives in community model that of the Trinity in relationship. So too our teaching on Jesus, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, is not some abstract piece of theological speculation, but has real and practical consequences for the way we live. If you have been to Turkey, you will know all about the churches of Cappadocia in Anatolia and how they produce the greatest outworking of this Trinitarian theology. The Cappadocian fathers, as they were called, of the fourth century spoke of God as complete communion or persons in relationship. They used a Greek word to define the relationship of the persons of the Trinity to each other. And by extension, they gave us a model for how relationships ought to be within the church and society. The word they used was this, perichoresis. Now, in its origin, perichoresis was a sort of dance but not rave, house, or techno-trance style. It was a dance of mutual and courtly deference, where none takes precedence over or dominates another. The radical thing the Cappadocians said about God and about the human person was this, that outside of relation, we are not. They wrote, your life and your death is with your neighbor. Our very existence is defined by our capacity for relation. Now this is the opposite of the medieval Roman view of the church as a pyramid with the Pope at the top and the peasants at the bottom. It is radical and it is subversive. So this then is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now to God the Spirit. We are reminded in the Gospel set for today that the Spirit of God lives through each one of the baptized. Every baptized believer is thus a God-bearer, a Spirit-bearer, and a Christ-bearer. We are all, in this sense, Christophoros. We are promised that those who wish to obey God can rely on the ever-present Holy Spirit leading us into all truth. Now this will lead us as a church and a community into new and unfamiliar territory the whole time. Robin Greenwood puts it like this, and I quote from him again. Together, under the Spirit, God's new covenant people are empowered, taught how to love, directed, upheld, and given wisdom. Now notice Greenwood's word, together. For this is a promise to the church, collectively, not to individuals. Now our job is to discern this will together. And the only way we can do this 
is by staying in relationship and even from time to time listening to each other. There are challenges, of course, all the time. Like any other organization, this week, uh, with the whole of Europe, we have had to implement the GDPR, General Data Protection Regulations. I would love to have had some real theological reflection on what privacy in community means, but it's been absent so far in a church seemingly fearful and anxious and hiding behind more and more layers of bureaucracy. Small parish churches are not Facebook or Cambridge Analytica. So step forward if you would like to write this piece and we can do it together. Extend this further and we see that this task of being God's presence in the world is down to its people, you and me, acting together. There is no plan B. This is also a message for political elites around the world, not just in our own country, who are tempted to go down the isolationist or even the notorious hostile environment route. Your life and your death is with your neighbor. Now I think this longing to connect and the death of politics as we see it and this longing for relationship lay behind the popular celebrations of last week's royal wedding. In the absence of anything else, we look to that. So be encouraged by the mystery of the Holy Trinity in our life, in our worship, and in all, in all our relationships, near and far. This is the central truth it proclaims, that outside of relation, we are not. So come and join us in June as we act this out and make our plans for the future under God. Whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever your language, whatever your age, as thousands of GDPR messages which blacken our screens and phones say, we want to hear from you. Now this is all energized by the mysterious reality of the Holy Trinity. And it is with mystery I end with this powerful poem by John Donne about the Holy Trinity, probably for me the most powerful expression in the English language. Batter my heart, three-person God, for you as yet but knock, breathe, shine, and seek to mend, that I may stand and rise or throw me and bend your force to break, blow, burn, and make me new. Amen. Now, having had a sideswipe at GDPR, we do have to do it. So, in your handouts, there is a sheet, and take a moment to fulfill it, then we can do it in one hit, then it's finished, and we won't have to bother with it again. So, do complete that. Now, there are pens at the back, and the welcomers will come and collect them in when we've done it. Then we have complied. Thank you.